0: The reality of this situation is, is that it goes into a landfill, it gets incinerated, or it gets shipped offshore to be buried in some foreign country.
1: This episode is brought to you by my workshop, Work in Harmony. Spark team unity and ingenuity through music. Learn how you and your cohort can coalesce and create together at IsoldaT.com W-I-H. Hello, and welcome to the Creative Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Isolde Trachtenberg. Whether you're writing the first sentence of a story or solving the climate crisis, you need to think in new ways. On the show, I interview peak performers who are coming up with those creative solutions through creativity, action, inspiration, and innovation. They're changing the world. I also bring you ideas and techniques that you can use to unlock your potential to do the same. And now, let's get to the show hello and welcome to the creative solutions podcast i'm your host isolda trachtenberg thank you so much for being here i am so excited to bring you this week's guest Check this out. Cindy Recker is a systems engineer, author, and eco-warrior, so you know that's catnip for me. Cindy advocates for wellness through a healthy diet, physical fitness, and a natural lifestyle. As a system engineer, Cindy loves the challenge of a good problem and innovates through different techniques to find a problem solution. In the book that she's written called The Cleaner Planet Playbook, again, catnip for me, she shows how to use patterns to break down complex topics and find simple steps that build together toward a healthier diet, body, home and lifestyle. And dare I say, planet, because her intention is to live the best life that she can and hopefully inspire others to live theirs while walking softly on the earth. Cindy, so, I'm so grateful that you're here. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome.
0: Thank you, Isolde. And I cannot tell you, I just cannot express how excited I am to be able to talk to you in person and be here and just share ideas.
1: I am thrilled. And, you know, we were both University of Michigan alums. So that's really cool. Go blue. Go Blue! (laughs) We (laughs) we have to say that. Uh, And, you know, I I knew Jim Harbaugh. So now I'm I'm sort of doing the whole "Ah, football, but I can't now. Right now, we're focusing on the podcast. So I am. First of all, we, you know, going to Michigan, and let's let's start way back when going to Michigan, we had an education that was rooted in curiosity and in following that curiosity. and I, I I'm amazed and excited about something that you have done through your curiosity that I would love for you to talk about. And that is, and this is a this is a big beginning and a strange one. but I love in reading your book, what I loved is how you took personal organism concepts and expanded them to the earth organism to the fact that the things that you're doing to yourself and with yourself and for yourself right now today have results and consequences to the entire planet and i would love to chat with you about that about how you got your head around this concept and what made you go yes this this is the thing that i think will change everything
0: oh it's such a long journey um in my conservation environmentalism type of approach the the way i describe it is i really took the long way to get there Mm. and um much of my uh the seeds of of what I believe and what I'm trying to do today are rooted in my university experience. Mm. So all engineers at the time, uh, when I was going there had to take an engineering humanities course, which I would say most engineering students uh, hated, right? Mm. It was, it was not technical, um, probably a little harder, uh, just for us to wrap our heads around it. But the most instrumental person in my thinking was a professor named Henrik Skolomowski. And Henrik introduced us to ideas about the earth and conservation, responsibility and ethics and the whole engineering field. And it was through that that I understood the purpose and the university having that as part of the curriculum. He introduced me um, to ideas of, you know, Taliard de Chardin and uh, Paulo Soleri. And Paulo Soleri, interestingly enough, started this um, uh, idea of a, a standalone um, eco village. It was called Arcosante. The model for it is actually in my home state now of Arizona, just north of where I live. It was like the first thing I did when I moved here was to go look at it. But Henrik described himself as an eco philosopher. Mm. So he was a person that felt everything was connected. We are all kind of these energetic beings. Our bodies are are these amazing systems. We live within the ecosystem of our planet, which is also this amazing system. And, and I know it's a little bit overloaded term now, but everything truly is connected. And so what you do on the smallest scale within your body can impact what's around you. And so, you know, it was really through that that all of that thinking that I had um, that brought me to this place But I say I took the long way to get there because, you know, I think in life we get caught up with, you know, we go to university. We need to get a job. We decide to have a family. We live in a different place. And I think all of those ideas lie dormant in our head. But we're too busy with the other aspects of life. So what pulled things together for me was that I realized these ideas don't need to be dormant. It's And I loved the session, the um, episode you had with Wendy K. Smith because it, it clarified my thinking. It's not an either or situation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You can do both. And so I thought, how is it that I can introduce the idea that we are this system, that everything we do has an impact and make it digestible, and make it easy to implement. And that's where I came up with this idea of using years of um, technical systems engineering work, looking at a problem holistically and saying, how can I apply that to just kind of taking small steps for incremental Mm -hmm. improvement that anyone can do and feel successful and do something with meaning versus I see a lot where I, I read a Forbes article that said, you know, it's almost 80% of people interviewed want to do something. But the percentage of people who actually do is less than 10%. And it's all sorts of reasons. It's too hard. It's too expensive. I don't have time. Mm. And so my idea was we got this big system. We're a system. How can we make things better for ourselves? And how can we do it in a way where it's very, has very low friction, right? And it has meaning to us. So that's how I came to my book, which um, I I used all of my time. I we were, we were taken out of the office and put work from home. And I decided that I had had this book brewing in me for about 20 years, mm. starting with some kernels from my university days. And I said, I'm going to take these years and years of notes and my ideas. And I'm going to take my commute time, which I no longer need to spend and I'm going to put this together. It took me 2 years, but here I am.
1: Wow. Yeah, what a great way to use that commute time. I use my commute time to play with my cats a lot of it, but but <laughs> I'm okay. okay with that. I'm okay with that. That that's an that's in in its own way, it's a it's a beautiful sort of stress reliever. So that I I can justify that doggone it. Um, no, I'm I'm thrilled and I'm fascinated by taking a systems approach and breaking it down because I, I really do believe small steps are still steps. And yet, I think what you said has a lot of uh, truth to it, as you as you said it. That lots of people want to do something, but very very few actually start. What what is your advice what is your guidance to someone who wants to but isn't in that 70 percent of people who never do what is the first thing they can do a to get going b to feel like they get going and c to not get discouraged if they don't see immediate radical revolutionary change
0: oh such great questions wrapped up in there um so i think that the key for me was starting with awareness, and I'm going to depart for a minute, Azolda, and, and just go through a little bit of a story journey. And part of this is in the um, opening to my book. So I, uh, my, my, this journey also started for me. I, maybe my wake-up call, um, the my increased awareness came on a trip to Hawaii when uh, Hawaii had had the highest rain ever recorded in history. Literally, a, a house slid down the hill. Into Hanalei Bay, right? Mm, Horrible wow. mudslides, right? And and I had uh, my daughter and I were out for a walk, and I see this big black orb sitting on a coral shelf, and we walk up to it because we're kind of curious, and we take a look at it, and it's it's a big buoy. I mean, it, this is not just a if you think exercise ball type buoy, right? This is this thing is like three to four feet in diameter. Wow. And so I think, wow. This, it's kind of cool but it's a shame that there's just all this junk washed up on the beach later that day we're we're out for a walk and um there's this really cute building it's got um you know colorful clothes hanging outside of it surfboards and buoys so i always talk about my story began um it's all about a boy and i i kind of uh i i, I smudge the word buoy to say boy and then <laughs> Um, We walk into this this place, you know, we're curious and we're kind of we kind of want to know, you know, this guy has like 50 of these buoys on his wall. Does he want another one? Because we'd go retrieve it from the beach. And it started my journey in uh, talking to an artist uh, surfer named Ambrose Curry. And Ambrose, uh, in the course of our discussion, brought up something I had no awareness of, and that's called the Great Pacific Garbage patch. Mm. Uh, for people in the US, it's almost the size of Texas. For people in Europe, it's almost the size of France. So, um, you know, this huge swirling mess of plastics out there. And I was, I felt embarrassed, right? I was just, how can I, you know, be like this technologist, kind of aware, love the outdoors and not know about this mess floating out in the ocean, um, which is really just a lot of it plastic junk. And it reminded me of when I was like 15, um, I'm from an immigrant family. So we go back and, and uh, um, I'm in this town and a little five-year-old tugs at me. And she says, er ne, er and I was just like, I don't understand. I'm not aware of what this person is saying. She was asking me my name. Mm. So I feel like I've, I, the last time I was embarrassed like this, you know, was when I was 15 years old and I thought, what a shame. And so, um, I, you know, in, in trying to answer kind of like, what can people do? I think the first thing they can do is become aware, right? What's a problem around you? What do you see? Open your eyes. There's a, there's a little walking meditation that I do. And it's just, if you can go outside, um, for two minutes and, uh, you know, roughly, let's just take a quarter mile walk, um, over that two minutes, uh, out and back. Maybe it's just down the block. What do you see? Right. Do you see trash? Can you see the sky? Um, Are you see someone wasting water? And just kind of, just get a sense for what's going on around you. And what I always say, and I say this um, in my book, and that is you have to pick something with meaning. So I'm not going to give you a tactical answer, right? I'm going to give you the answer of in your day, what has meaning to you? And what do you want to change? And what can you be a little bit more aware of? Is it wasting the extra trip to the grocery store? Is it looking at a food in your pantry and saying, I don't understand over 50% of the ingredients that are in this? Or why do I have a rash on my arm after I just ate these crackers? Uh, To anything like, hmm, my water tastes a little bit funny, or why does my family leave all the lights on in the house? Right, it's all these little things. Right, you can just snap through. Um, what do I see, and what do I want to change? So I will give you my first action was, and and now I I, I have learned over time that. Um, There are different solutions to plastic, but my first thing was plastic was on my radar after understanding about the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. I had a school-aged child, and so when they asked, when the school asked me to bring two dozen of plastic water bottles, I just said no. I will bring I will bring compostable or disposable paper cups, and I will bring a big tank of water, or assign me something else to use that either doesn't have a chemical in it or is not packaged in plastic. Or you know is is not bottled, um, and that sort of thing. And, and again, you know, I'm just going to go back to. You need to find and connect to what's important to you. And again, I'll go back to my my mantra right now is everything we do has an impact. Whether you're doing something out of convenience, whether you're doing something by over consuming, let's say you're buying a lot of food and not using it or some other sort of carelessness, like maybe not disposing of something properly, or maybe there's a better way to um, eliminate an electronic. This is another hot topic for me, it's e-waste, right? Maybe there's a better way than just tossing something that's not working in the trash and putting it in a waste stream that can actually do something with it.
1: Wow. You, you're going to notice that I pause periodically, Cindy, because I'm sort of taking in what y- you've said and synthesizing it. There's so much, and it's so important. Building awareness. I've been I've been on that particular soapbox for many many a year. That building awareness is key. It's the it's the thing that that lets you do everything else. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. And. And yet, and I want to talk about so much of what you just said, but this one here, here, a little bit of my personal story when I went vegetarian and then vegan and vegan to me is, you know, full on. Right. So I mm-hmm. don't use animal products uh, of any sort and, uh, don't eat et cetera, et cetera. But here's the thing, the problem for me with that and solving that problem means getting active. And I know that, but it feels overwhelming, like when you build that awareness of what you care about, whether it's it's, I, I've decided that I care about clean water, or in my case, I've decided that I care about the welfare of, of animals. Uh, but there's so much that we need to do. What is your thought? You say I know you, you're an advocate for small steps, which I love. But what is your thought about not giving in to the overwhelm, so that you aren't paralyzed?
0: Great. Again, again, another great question. And that's one of the reasons why I broke my my clean patterns into four areas of your life, right? I think you need to put the blinders on and focus on the one to three things, again, that have meaning to you, that you're aware of. And I break them down into the food that you eat. And that sounds like with um, your journey from going from probably the standard diet to being a vegetarian, to being a vegan, Mm -hmm. right? Food is very important to you. Um, There are things that you put on your body and uh, that could be anything from, you know, oh, I'm having a family. I want to make sure I'm using clean products for my child, which interestingly enough, I have found more than not, most parents will pick the absolute best product to put on their child and completely ignore themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, then I talk about your home and, um, you know, what is it that's impacting you in your home and, or your lifestyle. And I really suggest if, if you're feeling the overwhelm and I feel it too, like I am a little bit of a squirrel and so I see the next idea (laughs) and I feel like, oh, I got to do that. I got to talk about that. I have to research that. And for myself, you know, I just have to say my goal for this quarter is I'm going to focus on, and that's the, my, so my, my Q1 of uh, 2023 is really just to focus on my body, what I'm putting on it, mm-hmm. what I'm putting in it, and what I, what I'm exposing myself to. And so um, that's one simple way, right? Just, just pick one of those categories. And then the clean patterns within the book, basically break it down for you. So um I don't I, I normally do not like prescriptive solutions and some of the feedback I've gotten from uh, some of my readers is that, well, this is this is too prescriptive. I said, okay, that, you know, I will take that criticism. But on the flip side, I said, some people don't know where to start or Mm -hmm. have never done that before. So it gives them a quick, right? This is a quick hit, right? One quick hit might be going through your bathroom and figuring out how many of your skincare products have formaldehyde and just saying, and I'm not saying throw it all away, right? I'm an engineer. I'm a very practical person. If you want to use it up, use it up. Um, and then but make your next choice a clean one and mm-hmm. the other thing I will say is um there's some simple I, I give lists in the book mm-hmm. and I said it, and the list can be overwhelming I said just look at the top three just go to your store and don't depend on your advertisers um, who can do a bit of greenwashing, um or your product manufacturers uh or the store itself just because it's in a grocery store or even a natural grocery store means that it's healthy right um but just pick pick one place and start with it and i think it's like anything else in life you know especially with social media i mean social media feeds and and um and news uh and just kind of if you work outside the home or, or if you read a lot it's throwing i throwing so many ideas in your brain at one time that I think that creating one narrow focus for what you want to do and sticking there, and if it means cutting back on your social media time or maybe just looking at feeds that have to do with you know, food or your body or your home, I mean, there are now, it is exploding how many different areas you can subscribe to to get helpful um, tips and hints, including those to focus your mind. Right. And, and to create some of those blinders and some space so you have time for awareness and time to think. I think that uh, for me, that has been my biggest challenge over the last couple of years. Right. Creating space to know who I am, what I believe in and what I want to accomplish.
1: All three of those are are phenomenal as far as if you're being on this planet right now those are things (laughs) that are so important to think about Uh, and it brings me to my next question and that is the awareness is great right and beating the overwhelm is great but the next thing it sounds like you're talking about is assessment and critical thinking right so you're needing to not only be aware but once you're aware it's time to take the next logical step and that is to assess what it is that you're aware of and yet a lot of people either don't have the time or don't take the time or like you said sort of buy into consumer culture what is your how do you approach this let me ask it that way how do you approach consumers and let's just look at that word for a second right we can look at consumers as as people who consume and that means we're just taking resources but how do you look at consumers and convenience as a way of uh, building that bridge to assessment and critical thinking?
0: Okay, so you know, do you talk about your catnip? Yes, my catnip is is assessment and critical thinking, right? Woo
1: hoo!
0: <laughs> <laughs> Those awesome. are the tools in a in a system engineer's toolbox. And um, so let's, let's break things down in between uh, consumers and convenience. I, um, you know, as a personal impact, uh, or, or let's just, uh, I'm going to rewind just a little bit and talk about my approach. Mm-hmm. In researching for this book, I would say 90% of the information uh, launched at people is negative. Mm. If you don't do this we're, we're not, you know, this is going to be a terrible planet for your children. If you don't do this, do you know what you're doing, right? And it's just this soapbox um, beating the drum of uh, you're bad, right? Mm-hmm. So my whole approach is how can you bring joy into this process, right? That's really my key. How can you make this? something someone really wants to do versus something someone has to do the consumer or the, the, um, I would say the convenience market is a little bit hard to touch. And it's because we living in the United States have grown up on convenience. Mm -hmm. I think it all started in the 1950s with TV dinners, right? Let's get convenient, which, which just pumped our food supply with all sorts of chemicals and uh, things like that. And so that is one where I've I've had a little hard harder time trying to find the joy of someone not being able to do something convenient. right. So again, going back to you know some ideas that other people like Seth Godin have um, they are looking at a way of making the convenience inconvenient. And I kind of like his, you know, at first I I, I kind of had a knee-jerk reaction to his idea. But what his concept is, and again, he's very much about carbon and carbon offsets right now. And I know that there are opportunities if you buy a plane ticket, for example, to, um, to pay a carbon tax. I don't know anyone who's going to do that. Maybe somebody will. I'm not sure that I will do it. And so what he's talking about really is let's make carbon the enemy. And let's make sure that those who are buying things that are highly convenient, that are damaging either to our health or the planet, and just add a little bit of friction in terms of cost to make it not so appealing. The the one that he uses, again, a little bit outside of of what I would imagine for myself, but he talks about the person who has the availability of the private jet to fly from New York to London, right?
1: Oh, we all have and, private jets. Come on.
0: Right, right. Um, but it, it, the, numbers, the numbers work in my mind, so I'm going to continue. And so what he says is that he said, let's say that that flight for that very wealthy person who can take the private jet from New York to London is a $25,000 flight. And what he says is that for that person to pay their fair share for the limited number of people on that plane um, is really closer to, let's say,
1: Mm. $300,000.
0: Rather than allowing that plane to travel at its $25,000 price point, you really have that person who probably has the means to pay $300,000, pay that extra bit, right? And use it almost as a tax. And, what I liked about his analogy is that, okay, you could dial that down to, you know, do we put some type of tax on using plastic bottles, right? You can sell an aluminum. Now I've been to hotels where they serve an aluminum, mm-hmm. uh, which has a, you know there there is a big myth about plastic recycling um i think it's less than 6% of plastic gets recycled with the exception of a few of a few special plastics of those 6% that are recycled they can never be a plastic wa- plastic beverage bottle again the majority again i don't want to be an absolute uh the but the reality of the situation is is that it um it goes into a landfill, it gets incinerated, or it gets shipped offshore to be buried in some foreign country. And Mm. so, um, you know, I, I, again, I, I don't know that his ideas are fleshed out, but I am beginning to believe more in this carbon tax. And then, of course, comes the downstream question of what do you do with the money? But, you know, it's a step that I think would impact those people who are who are treading more heavily on the planet than those who are treading more lightly. Mm -hmm. So I I see that as one potential angle with consumerism um, and not consumerism, I'm sorry, convenience Mm -hmm. uh, to say it would be one lever that we can pull. Um, And for me, what I've just decided is I've decided how much time does the less convenience choice really cost me? And time being a, resource you can never get back. I mean, that's a very valuable commodity. On the flip side, I look at what is the cost either to my health or the cost to the planet for making that choice. So um, a great example is uh, the, the the thing that just really astounds me if I go into a grocery store uh, is that all of your produce is now packaged in plastic. Mm. So here you take even organic stuff. So, so here you take this beautiful um, energy source for your body that's essentially like eating the sunshine itself that it's been grown in. And you have put it in a container that either helps it grow bacteria, if there was any bacteria on the food. I mean, we've all heard about those uh, food recalls for bagged um, greens and and vegetables. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And it outgasses, right? So it's actually imparting chemicals into your food. And so I say, what is the less convenient choice for me? Well, the less convenient choice for me is to go to a grocery store. And I know not everyone has access, but versus a a big corporate grocery store where everything is packaged in plastic, or I can go to, here we have a market called Sprouts, where it's not always the most beautiful produce, um, but it's highly functional and none of it's packaged in plastic, right? I can make that less convenient choice. And, um, you know, are you going to get people to do it? I don't know. There's some friction around it. Um, but again, I'm going to go back to my awareness word. And and that has, um, it's a habit that can be changed. And I do have some uh, small steps in the book around lifestyle choices and around your home uh, and food to some extent that just give you some quick hits, right? And, um, if you're traveling, take your own food. Uh, if you are um, in a store and and you can uh, make a different choice and not buy the plastic, do it. Uh, also, another one, I work with a guy. I love this. Every time we go out for lunch, it doesn't matter what kind of lunch we have. He always has leftovers. He always brings his leftover cardboard pizza box. <laughs> <laughs> right, I he's never that. taking the 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 uh, restaurants um, to go container. Does he look a little funny carrying around his pizza box? Sure. But you know what now it's a point of pride with him so i would you know isn't that great that that transition from embarrassment to to, wow i you know people think this is really cool now that i'm doing this so let's talk about consumerism and and i know i'm drawing this this topic out a little bit long
1: oh no keep on going i love it okay
0: good so consumerism is kind of like another side of of the the table for me and so uh i would say because you know i've worked a corporate job kind of upper middle class had the benefit of an education that's where i grew up um with the exception you know my my brother we we are uh second generation immigrants um first generation college educated so i wouldn't say you know we had this abundance of wealth but certainly more than many other people do in this country and other countries so with that comes the opportunity to uh to spend and to get things that you want and i would say For a long time, um, I would, what I call, uh, spend a little bit mindlessly.
1: Mm.
0: I would be, you know, in Target with my daughter when she was small, and there's a dollar bin when you walk in, and there's some trinket that we don't need, but sometimes you use it as a pacifier you know, not a good action to take, not a good lesson to teach your child's probably either. So I think you learn things over time, but but jumping into the consumerism market, I mean, I, I had the ability to be a consumer, but now I would say I consume more carefully. And I'm thinking consuming more carefully, this could be a whole blog post. I need to think about this. Uh, and so what I do now is, um, number one, I, I I make an assessment do I really need this? And my dad had a saying, and he always said, never be in a hurry to spend your money.
1: That's great.
0: Oh, it is. You know, and it has been, uh, it, for big things, I would always think about it, but how I do it for the little things. Uh, you know, I was just on, um, you know, I was at an airport yesterday, thirsty. I have my, my uh, metal water bottle with me always, but I had wanted, I wanted like a seltzer water. And I'm thinking... I can go spend the money at the store and buy it, but I'm gonna be on boarding on a plane in 45 minutes and that's included as the price of my ticket. So no, I'm gonna wait, right? So there's always the the waiting aspects. And so um, when you look at any purchase, look at well, how it was made, right? Was it fair in how it was made, um, including the labor and the materials? How long will it last? How long will I use it? when I'm no longer using it, what will I do with it? And so I would say uh, in the last probably three or four years, the majority of my wardrobe has come from Poshmark. And I'm a huge advocate of taking what you don't need and giving it to someone else who will, number one, probably be thrilled to have it. Um, It's useful and uh, just extend the life of that item. And I, I try to take Items that other people have consumed uh, and no longer need, and redo it. Um, And then I also, you know, I I donate a lot of things I found at one point in my career I no longer needed my business wear, and you know, there's a lot of people out there that can that can use it. So again, it's, you know, I hate to 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 just kind of going back to the awareness word, but it is. It really comes down to the choices that you make and understanding that the impact you have. And it can be in anything, right? It can be in something as small as the smallest purchase or or uh, buying a new house or renovating your house. Like, so for example, I've been in my house 25 years. I can't, I, I would love to say that I have this awesome, eco-friendly uh, house that um, m- makes me proud of, of my beliefs as they evolve. I mean, I've got some good things in here. You know, I've got like windows that... Um, that uh, are very good in terms of rejecting the heat that's in Arizona. We actually put a a, a paint on the exterior of our house. And as old as you will like this, because uh, it was a NASA suggestion and and actually, right. It it helps dissipate the heat off um, a stucco home, which is, is kind of cool. But now I see like, I'm ready to do some renovations. So I'm, I'm, I'm very active in uh, what are my consumer habits around that going to be? Right. And I would love to say I could use a lot. Uh, I could rebuild a house like I think Robert, I uh, listened to an article, Robert Downey Jr. just did a home and all of these sustainable materials.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right, What a luxury to be able to do that and say, uh, you know, I, w- I was building a house and I could make all these decisions. But now as I look like I need new countertops, what am I going to do? I am going to look for the best material today that has a lighter you know, footprint on the planet that's functional for what I need, and it will last a long time. So I think you those are tough questions, you know, both um, convenience and consumerism. But again, I'm trying to approach it with a really positive uh, attitude. And, you know, my social media posts uh, on Instagram, you know, I just try to say, when I see something good, I post it. A great one was, I'm out buying toothpaste. No, actually, Uh, someone picked up some toothpaste for me. I'd asked for one brand. They gave me another brand. I always buy the two pack because it's more economical. I open up the package. There's nothing on the outside of the package that says anything about the inside materials. On each tube, it says, recycle me, right? That's brand new. I love that. I know, right? Who knew? And I was like, oh my gosh, I wrote to Colgate right away. I said, you need to put this on the outside of your package. It It might change how a consumer, you know, picks up your product, so... You know, and again, it's it's keeping your eyes open. It's making a little space for it, and it's uh, it's thinking: Is this what I want to do? And is this meaningful to me? And and can it help me? Can it help my family? And can it help the planet? And most often, because we are we are systems living in a big system, what's good for you many times is good for the planet at the same time.
1: Yeah, and there's a psychology at work there that's very interesting to me. What's good for you is different than what you think might be good for you in the moment. And so your father's point is well taken, never be in a hurry to spend your money, that may be thinking about it for just five minutes, or I do 24 hours, that's my, if I really want it, I try to do 24 hours. And go do i really want it let me think about it if it's still there tomorrow maybe i'll get it if not eh, that wasn't meant to be mine and so there's a there's a short-term versus long-term thinking thing that's coming into play here for me you said you know it could be good for you could be good for the planet which is great but you don't necessarily see how it's good for something bigger or longer or farther away from you and so there you know before before we started this episode you were talking about the California king tide and coastal flooding we who live close to the coasts might see evidence of that because we're actually here and we're seeing it day-to-day but someone who is in Oklahoma or Arizona or Nebraska who, who does not necessarily have a coastline by them might not see that immediately right so how what's your thought about getting people to think about what happens downstream from them? And I mean downstream, not just if they're living on a river, but just downstream later on. What is the key to doing that? Is it just building awareness? Or do you have some thoughts on something concrete and practical that people can do to start expanding that awareness to not just today or tomorrow, but the next five years, the next 10, 50, whatever?
0: Great. You know, again, um, a lot of things wrapped up in that question. I I don't think that there is a simple answer to it either, but again, I'm always looking for, what can I have people think about positively related to a problem that I see? So the king tides, uh, you know, I had learned about a couple of years ago from a uh, UCSD professor who had one particular take on the solution. And I felt like the solution was not a one size fits all and what meaning did that have to me because I was visiting the coast at the time. And so I had a little bit of disbelief and I would say that for someone like me, just looking at photographs, uh, looking at a news report, it's in and out of my head in just a couple of seconds. But I feel like we need to look at, the coastal flooding is one aspect of what's happening with our ocean. And if you cannot think about, oh, I'm I am not worried about someone's home in California that gets flooded or some railway that gets washed out because it's too close to the ocean or some bridge, what you can think about is the system of the ocean. And it is one very big complex system. And maybe it's not just thinking about the coastal flooding, but if you're a, a, a land lover like me. One thing you can think about is the statistic that almost I I, I believe the number is close to 70 percent of the air that we breathe in terms of oxygen is generated by the ocean. Mm. Right. And so if you think about air is one of the key elements uh, that we need to survive. Right. Air, water, eventually food. And if you can somehow in your mind, draw the line to, well, what is happening out there? Let's start generating, is there something I can be curious about? Is there something that I can do? What aspect of this is important to me, right? Because the king tides, yes, they are destroying property, but it's really a function of something larger. And that is, is the climate really causing these things or was this a one-off a situation where you had uh, the timing of the plan for the, the, where the tide normally would be with the pull of the full moon, you know, that sort of thing, or is really something happening in it? And it, it dials into someone's curiosity and what aspect of it might be important for them. So I've talked about air you breathe, right? Seems a little bit nebulous. Um, but Again, it has an impact. If you can't think about air, think about the food that you eat, right? Start thinking about the ocean as one big thing and there's a lot of things happening to it at one time. Climate is really impacting it. Downstream, what is that going to mean for me? So that's the downstream impact. And it's like you said, what can that person do to look upstream? Look at what has meaning, right? Meaning might be food. Meaning might be um, I want to go visit that. Will it prevent me from doing having some future plan so that, that hits your lifestyle? Is there something I depend on for the ocean from my home or for my body? Uh maybe you use some type of product that's um generated from algae or because it, you know, the algae or, or some other uh component in the ocean is uh key to something that you ingest or, or something that you put on. And and there's just, I mean, it just could branch like a tree. It can just, uh, the branches can go out in hundreds of directions. And uh, that's, most people are, are going to say, I don't care. Uh, but sparking that curiosity, what's your spark, right? And, and I talk about that a little bit in the book too. You need to find your spark and what has meaning and find some way that it's impacting you And if that speaks to you, then learn about it and find out what you can do about it.
1: Mic drop. I I had to say that. That was great. Absolutely. And it's funny because what, what speaks to you is something that you can come up with yourself, but then it's also something that you can that can that sort of can act on you right for example if you you mention this in the book you go to the ocean and you see that you can't go in today after a big rainstorm because there's an algal bloom right so if there's an algal bloom you you can't go in and you spent all the time driving out to the ocean and now you're not going in the ocean today because it's harmful to you because and if we start asking those why 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 questions back to the start you might see that you might see that oh wow, okay, this is a problem that is something in a way that I have something to do with. And then we have that personal accountability. But at the same time, you were talking about problem solving on a, in a way that is accessible. And I would love to ask you to talk about the Apollo 13. You mentioned this in your book also. The Apollo 13... This, your book is so great. I'm like, there's so many things to talk about, but the Apollo 13 example that you said, you know, all of a sudden they were faced with catastrophic problems and so many of them, and they had to figure out which problems to focus on first. Can you talk about that analysis and how someone can do that?
0: Yeah, I love that story. That's probably even, even, uh, uh probably pre college, I, I just, I, I, I have, um, I had that story has stuck with me. Uh, with meaning for years. So, yeah. So for those of you who don't know, I'll do a quick rundown of the, the, the story. So we had an Apollo mission uh, where um, basically they had an explosion on board. The most valuable resource to these astronauts is air, right? They need oxygen to live. If they don't have oxygen, you know, it, it is one of the key elements of life. And so, they had multiple systems fail on the aircraft at one time. And that's just overwhelming, right? And, and I loved it. I didn't really wanna draw the analogy in the book uh, because I, I, I thought it was kind of like a bridge too far, but basically to say, um, this crew was overwhelmed. So we feel overwhelmed with where to begin in our journey to either improve our health or improve the planet this group was overwhelmed and they had a very short timeline to do something about it. And they had a lifeline to the ground. So they still had communications after this um, explosion. And basically uh, this explosion caused a bunch of their breathable air to just leave, right? It was gone. It was in space. It was, it's a resource kind of like time that you can never get back. And so what they did is they kind of threw away all of the procedures that they might've had, which were designed to solve one problem at a time. And that's kind of how I view what I see going on in the environmental space a little bit. We are trying to solve one problem at a time. Um, guilty of it myself, but you have groups that want to solve problems um, too many vehicle emissions in one area, you have groups that are trying to um, solve the problem of the fact that we have so little space undeveloped on the earth, um, that we're cutting down trees in the rainforest, that we are contaminating water, we are contaminating our food, we don't have enough regulations on food additives, we don't have, uh, you know, you name it, it is the, I call it the problem du jour. Mm -hmm. And you know, they are all problems, but again, no one looks at them systematically and, and looking at the Apollo mission, what they did is they kind of set aside looking at, um, their procedures for dealing with one problem at a time. And they said, we need to look at this whole thing. And what's our end goal. Our end goal is to get back to earth, right. And be alive, right. It's to do the mission and be alive. And, um, How they did it was everyone just kind of got together on the ground so they could talk to their NASA counterparts on the ground. Everyone on the aircraft got together and they just made a collection of what they had. They broke down the problem into what's our most important thing in being able to breathe. Well, their oxygen just left. So what can you do with uh, what do trees do, right? What do trees do? Trees convert carbon dioxide to oxygen. So they needed the equivalent of a way to filter their air and get oxygen back out and convert it, right? So they would have breathable air. So they would take, they cobbled together all of these pieces. You had people on the ground saying, try this, people in the air, and and they basically put together an air filter for themselves so that they could breathe long enough to readjust the trajectory of the aircraft, scrap the rest of the mission, and get home safe. Brilliant, and they did it step by step. It's teamwork. Each part of the team did their own part, and they used steps to get there to reach a solution to go from start, start of the um, the explosion to landing safely on the you know in the water essentially, and um, you know it, it is small steps. It's ingenuity. It's changing how you think. Um, it is looking for opportunity. And it's basically saying, I re- th- actually, in my book, I talk about this, this process. And you basically take 40 words to describe your problem down to five. Mm-hmm. This has probably been, I- I've given this to friends. I've given this to family. And it just helps you get clarity. And I believe that maybe they didn't use this 40 down to five process. But if you look at a, the way that you can solve a problem is, let's say, um, you have this really long statement. Uh, I, you know, the, the the challenge that they had was uh, we need we need to breathe. We need to get the aircraft going. We need to, uh, you know, get back on the ground. And you and and let's say they had this forty word statement that said all those things. But when it boiled down to it, they needed air to breathe. Right. That was the first thing they needed to do. And then if they could solve that problem, then they could do the other things they needed to accomplish the rest of the mission and solve the rest of the problem. So it's often breaking it down, getting it down to something that is so clear, right? So simple. And you say, I need to do all of these things. This is the one I do first.
1: I love that so much and it's so interesting uh, to me that whole notion of clean air and what you're facing, clean resources, resources that are available to all the beings on the planet. You know, I look at it like you can live about four weeks without food, you can live about four days without water, and you can live maybe about four minutes at the most without air and most of us can't even live that long. So having access to clean air is crucial and having having access to these resources, these natural resources that maintain life on earth is crucial. And and I'm glad, I, my next set of questions was gonna be about 40 words, so I'm glad that you talked about it. Now, I don't have to ask you that. Okay. But I, I, because there it is, you already you already talked about that notion of gaining clarity. Uh, before we end, I, I have just a few more questions because honestly, Cindy, <laughs> we, we could do this for forever. Uh, and I know you've got a day to get back to. Uh, what what I, I know build awareness I get it I totally get it and I know assess and I know thinking systems and all of that is it's all in your book and I think yes let's let's talk about the title of the book and all of that in a second but can you give me three things someone goes you know what I love this episode I love Cindy Wrecker, I want to know more but I want I want to start right now what are three things actionable things someone can do today Okay. To make an impact.
0: You've got it. So I would say start, you know, starting where you are today, one small step to change clean air. Let's use that as the first example. There is something called the Ecosia browser, and it's spelled E C O S I A. And it is, you can just switch your browser that you use on your phone or on your tablet or on your laptop or home machine. And when you switch to that browser, this organization that that runs this browser, basically plants trees. And again, those trees scrub our air, they give us more oxygen, give us more clean air to breathe. What's even better about it, it is backed up by a, a larger browser platform, I won't throw the name out. Um, uh, and I I think that's, I, I did it, I, I learned it bought it yesterday, I did it this morning, you know, so boom, you've just done one thing. Um, Number two. So what I would say is look at your day and rather than making one convenience choice, make a hard choice, right? And the choice I'm going to put out there is one convenience choice I would make today is uh, because of my time is I might just order in food because I'm short on time for my lunch. No, my choice is I'm going to go look and use the food that I've purchased, use the food that I have, and I know that I can put it cobbled together something that will uh, nourish me for the day, doesn't cost me any additional money. So, again, one example tons of them in the book, um, in terms of you know those what I call uh, quick swaps. And then my third suggestion is find your community right how many times have you heard about it oh you're going into weight loss find a partner right connect with people who are like-minded in your same ideas. This could be through a mom's Club it could be through you know a a, a church organization, a social organization. Um, it could be through your job, uh, a lot of people who I work with had no idea I was writing this book. Some will even say, wow, I had no idea that um, this was of interest to you. But there are groups out there and they are everywhere. So within my company, we have a whole green Slack channel. Find like-minded people and they will help you build momentum.
1: And find Cindy's book. <laughs> Don't forget yeah. to find Cindy's book. Yeah, Uh You know, can you can you do me a favor, say the exact name of the book? And also somebody goes, I want to know more about Cindy and the work she's doing. Can you give your social channels? Where can somebody find you to to follow your work and to learn more about how to do all of this?
0: Okay, great. Yes. Um, The book is called The Cleaner Planet Playbook, a guide to being a helpful human on Earth. And um you can find the book on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. There's an e-version available through uh, multiple uh, channels. I'm working on the Apple uh, version of it right now. There is also a website. Um, it has the same title as the book called the Cleaner Planet Playbook.com, where I uh, give links, uh, back backlinks. Uh, blog posts. Uh, you can also look for the book there, learn a little bit more about me, it has the link to my social media channels. And then um, on social media, I am most active on Instagram. So that is C Y N D I R E uh, C K E R. That same handle, uh, you can reach me on Twitter and on LinkedIn uh, feel free to message me on any of those platforms. I am probably, uh, I do check my Instagram every day, but you know, my, I do have a day job. Uh, and so, um, <laughs> <laughs> right. So I, uh, I, sometimes I might be a little uh, longer in getting back to you, but, um, that's, uh, I, I say that I am a, uh, by day, I'm a systems engineer connecting you at 30,000 feet. And by night I am my eco warrior. So, uh, does that answer your question is is that enough information it
1: it absolutely is and i will put all of that information in the show notes with clickable links it's just i know people learn differently and some people like to hear things some people like to see them all of that will be in the show notes so that you can just go ahead and click the link and find Cindy and learn more about the Cleaner Planet playbook as you should, because honestly, I'm gonna just, I, I need to review the, now that I've read it, I need to re- review the book on Amazon and all that, because one of the things that I find, first of all, you are my people, Cindy, you, you uh, think- Yeah, you, you're mine
0: too, <laughs> in the but I knew this, what you, you know, connected actually, before I even started writing the book.
1: Wow, that's amazing. Right. And, Yeah, I mean, it's well, let me let me just say this so that if you're listening to this, you will know, you know, I don't ever support anything I don't wholeheartedly believe in. And this book is so fascinating and also, doggone it, there are practical actions you can take. And what's one of the things that I'm I'm Cindy. You can your ears will burn but here goes one of the things that Cindy is amazing at is taking these complex subjects and making them super simple to understand and think about and then take action on and she gives you all sorts of questions that you can look at and start that awareness development and that assessment and critical thinking that we were talking about so that it seems easy, because Cindy's done the job and the work of making it easy to grasp, understand and act on. So yay, Cindy, that <laughs> I don't say that often about books. But I can say that about yours. Uh, and I, again, I'm <laughs> so grateful that you took the time to talk about this. And it's a subject obviously close to my heart. I would love to ask you if you I know you listen to the show. So I know you've probably heard this question. I have one question that I ask everybody who comes on the show and it's a silly question, but I find that it can yield some profound answers. And the question is this, if you had an airplane, environmentally friendly, of course, that could skywrite, of course, that could skywrite anything for the whole world to see, what would you say?
0: Oh, let's see. Own your impact.
1: Mic drop, I love that. I love that. And for from your father, I would say, never be in a hurry to spend, to spend your, your money. money.
0: It'd be, you know, the plane would have to write that one for a few minutes, but
1: okay. <laughs> <laughs> we could, It could be one of those banners, you know, that flies along on the beach. Because simple no, because solution. it yeah. is so, it is such a simple, beautiful way of saying this. You know, don't be in a hurry to spend your money. Absolutely, and we tend to overspend. And so going, you know what? I'm not gonna be in a hurry about this is stunning. So uh, Cindy, you, you've you taught me my new catchphrase. I love it. Uh, or maybe your dad has. Uh, I am again, super grateful that you took the time to be here. And you're going to come back in just a second. And uh, you're going to come back on Wednesday, I know, to listen to this because we're going to do the bonus round full of fun questions for Cindy. Cindy, once again, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it.
0: Isolde two words. Thank you.
1: You are so very welcome. And thank you. This was super fun. And I can't wait, actually. I mean, the episode's out now if you're listening to it. But I personally right now cannot wait to have this episode out. Thank you so much. Uh, Cindy. Again, Isolde,
0: it's, for me, this has been a long journey um, watching you over the years, watching your, you grow and your podcast grow. And just I, I really have, I, I call it the fizzies, just having the <laughs> opportunity
1: to talk to you. So That's awesome. I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You know what I always say. This is Azolda Trachtenberg for the Creative Solutions Podcast. I am super grateful that you took the time to listen. The episode's brought to you by Podbean, my host. They're amazing. And also Brain.fm. I use it every single day. You know that. And I never, ever, 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 affiliate myself with anything I don't believe in so you know that I love what I talk about. Until next time, I remind you as always to be bold, be creative, and most of all, be kind. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you being here. Please subscribe to the podcast if you're new, and it would mean the world to me if you told a friend about it. Today's episode was produced by Isolde Trachtenberg and is copyright 2023. As always, please remember this is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Past performance does not guarantee future results, although we can always hope. Until next time, keep living what you believe in.